Hello, and welcome to Design is Everywhere, the new weekly podcast from the Design Museum. It's Thursday, July 16th. I'm your host, Sam Aquilano, the founder and executive director of the museum, and I'm joined by your other host, Liz Pollack, our amazing vice president. Hey, Liz. Hi, everyone. This week, we're talking about designing for the return to the office. Essential workers have been working in workplaces around the world since the COVID-19 pandemic began. But many, or most, offices have been closed for months at this point. At the Design Museum, we've been working remotely, like many, since mid-March. Today, we're going to talk about how we think about and design for the return to the office. What are the important elements to think about and figure out? We have a special guest co-host, Layla Mitchell. She's the founder and creative director of LLM Design. Her and her team have been thinking a lot about how to mindfully return to the office. And then we have a special guest. Layla, Liz, and I will interview Kellyanne McCabe. She's the chief people officer at Improvada, who is thinking a lot about how to thoughtfully and safely bring folks back to the office when the time comes. I'm excited to dive in. But first, Liz, what's going on at the Design Museum that folks should know about? Yeah, we have another great Design Museum Live virtual event coming up. On July 21st, we'll have two professors from Northeastern University who are experts in data visualization. They'll talk about how complex data is visualized to make it easier to understand. And they've been tracking and collecting data visualizations related to COVID-19, and we'll share those findings. We also have Design Night Live, our special virtual event on September 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's a night filled with design sketches, games, and prizes. Plus, we'll be live curating our next exhibition. You definitely don't want to miss it. Become a member and you'll get a free ticket as part of your new membership, along with all the other perks, of course. This is all part of our 50-50 membership challenge, where I'm excited to share that we've raised $11,000 towards our $50,000 goal. And we have members from 44 states, so only six states to go, including Alabama, Michigan, Montana, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. So if you know folks from any of those states, encourage them to join the Design Museum. Or you can even just gift them a membership and everyone can attend Design Night Live on September 19th. Yeah, we hope everyone can join us for Design Night Live. Okay, let's dig into this week's topic. As I said at the top, most offices have been closed for months. When we started playing this episode, it looked like cases of COVID-19 were going down. But oh man, they are definitely going up in the United States. In some states, at least. Uh, COVID-19 has changed the game for remote work with large companies like Twitter and Shopify announcing they're going full remote. The CEO of Shopify even boldly proclaimed that office centricity is over. And I think that's probably true. Uh, some experts estimate that 25 to 30% of the workforce will be working from home by the end of 2021. That's great and all, but Zoom can't fully replace working together, collaborating together in a shared environment. Speaking for myself and the museum, I love working from home, but I really miss having our team together to tackle some of the big challenges that we have. So how do we design for a return to the office, even as we're seeing a resurgence of COVID-19 or maybe a surgence and it never went away? Uh, We'll discuss this with our special guest co-host, Layla Mitchell. She's the founder and creative director of LLM Design. She is an architect, graphic designer, brand and marketing strategist with 20 years of experience. She focuses her efforts in experience and collaborative design, discovering creative solutions for brand strategy and ways to integrate brand into the built environment. 
She's also a Design Museum board member. Layla, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sam and Liz. I'm excited to get into how do we turn return to work day? Yeah, let's do that. I want that day to happen. I'd love just to start like with your thoughts on why a shared work environment is important. I know you have an amazing team mm -hmm. and when you all are together, I know you're like really making it happen. So why can't we all just stay home? Like yeah. why do why do we need to come together? Well, it's interesting. I'm sort of I've been investigating this term social distancing. Let's just take a second and think about that term, right? Social. What do we do when we socialize? We're usually together. We usually sort of happy. We're, we could be touching each other, hugging. And then we apply this term distance next to it. So these are things that are coming out of my nine year old mouth right now. <laughs> this is part of our culture, social distance, remote learning. Everything seems to be separating us. Everything seems to be going in the way of loneliness and, and isolation. And I think you can kind of see, you know, if you Google uh, what's coming out of this pandemic, the top 15 things are all about the effects of loneliness, the effects of isolation that are happening. So I can most assuredly say that not only do we love as LLM design loves to work together and we get stuff done, I think everyone wants to be together at some points. I think the question is really when and how and what is sort of our, our next generation of our work operation and can we build towards not, not sort of going back to where we were, but build towards something that's making us stop and think about the way we work and how we work. We, we've made huge leaps in collaborating remotely and it's been a real focus of ours. And I know a lot of people, like I've said this a million times, but remote facilitation as like a skill set, I think is huge. But I just don't see a replacement for a group of people coming together and kind of like riffing off each other. Isn't it so important to be in person to truly collaborate? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as we're digging into this conversation of um, how do we get back to work and what does it look like? I think we what we're doing in LLM design is really digging into kind of our human experience and what we want to get out of that. Um, and so this idea of counteracting loneliness, loneliness and isolation, we're really looking for that commonality, that connection. And what do we get out of that connection? We get community. Um, and mm -hmm. what we found out of working in a collaborative environment of our community, of our work source, is that we get better innovation. We get better ideas. We, we're excited about it. We have purpose. And so we need to get back to that some way. And yes, we're sort of band-aiding that by using really interesting online tools and materials. But the dimensionality of a human being, right? Like you guys are flat right now. On There's no getting around it. There's no getting around <laughs> the fact that I want to connect and have a personable relationship with somebody. But I think the question is, is do we need to do that all the time? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I right. love the fact that we're basically in a prototyping experiment that we were all forced into. Um, and we're kind of testing it. We're kind of saying like, hey, maybe we don't actually have to do those, the same types of operations that we did before. And maybe we actually take a look at, and I go back to one of my favorite authors, Daniel Pink, um, who wrote A Whole New Mind and wrote a book called Drive. And he really talks about creating um, the operating system 2.0. Mm. And it really is more human-centric versus sort of an operations management-centric. And it really looks at how can we motivate the individual to want to work. Mm. Um, 
And I don't think that's necessarily having to go to the office nine to five. I've always been a big believer in that, um, that we don't necessarily have to be at our desks nine to five in a way that sort of management uh, creates these conforms that we have to do this thing. And um, it's it, it has been a rude awakening, but I think it's an, a, a positive opportunity that I look for in everything that I do. What is the opportunity? It's a roadblock. Okay, mm-hmm. what's the opportunity in this? The opportunity is to really sit back and say, how can we turn our uh, management system to, so that we're focusing on the human, that we're focusing on, on the needs of the human, those connection, but at the same time, the different modalities in which they work. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel like everyone's different too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's extra hard. <laughs> um, but so what are you, are you seeing companies go back to work and, and what does it look like? What are you seeing? Yeah. I mean, so we've done a couple of different, call, um, I think, consulting and sort of what we do is we just talk. We just talk about some different ideas. We listen. I don't think anybody's really ready yet. I think that there are a couple of different industries where you know we have to have some of that light um, in-person coverage. They may have sort of manufacturing type of uh, machinery that you need to touch. Um, but I do think that people are kind of saying, you know what, we don't know what's going on. We don't want the pandemic to drive with the changes, we actually want to take uh, a second, let's breathe. And that's kind of like our respond, recover, and reimagine. Um, mm-hmm. There are stages you want to go through. You don't want to all of a sudden sort of say, okay, we're back. This is the time to sort of say, can we do things a little bit differently? And actually, since we're in this sort of prototyping experimental sta- uh, stage, we're actually realizing that the productivity level isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be when we offer right the chance to work at home. I mean, I think that that's the mindset that was part of the traditional workspaces. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if I give that freedom, you know, uh, my employees the whole will system's going to fail. My employees won't work as hard. We won't be able to get in touch with each other. You know, how do we, we have to invest in all this IT that we don't have. We're just, we're not ready. We're not ready. And again, unfortunate events, but you know, the world has made us sort of say, hey, let's take notice and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you sort of like see reports like McKinsey um, did a report June 2020 talking about productivity. 80% of the people um, surveyed said that they enjoy working from home. They're 41% more productive um, and 28% said that they are as productive. And then there's this word that they used of liberating themselves from these long commutes. Mm. You mentioned the framework um, yep. that you all put out there, the respond, recover, reimagine. Mm-hmm. I love it. It does. This goes back to your previous point. It does seem to be about people and about being employee centered. You know, I forget the first one was sort of like approach it from a a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway, can you dive into some of the elements of this? Respond, recover, and imagine. So, um, so, you know, we thought about this respond and part of it is just people seem to sort of, especially in this whole thing and and continually, there's this sort of flailing. There's this sort of like water keeps rising and I don't know how to get out of it. And I do think that um, companies are in a position to sort of build that life raft and sort of say, all right, you know what? We're, we are safe. We're going to create this safe space. We believe in you. We believe in our company. We're still here. Um, and so that's all part of that first stage of respond is just sort of making sure everything is clean and everything feels safe. If we're going to ask this of you, employee, we're going to give you the time to do this. We're going to make sure that you're comfortable and you're, you can attend to your families as well. So mm-hmm. everything that's put in place in that first response phase 
is a bit dictated by sort of the um, the, the sort of government um, guidelines and things like that, but it's done in a way that makes us feel safe. We jump into recover. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to become this police state, right? You know, march in lines, here's your mask, don't touch that, you know. It, we, so the recover is really remembering who you are. And so you're on a raft, but now you're building the boat. You're building the boat that people recognize, that your employees recognize. So you have to go back to your brand values and sort of say, how do we bring that back into our behaviors? Our behaviors are a little different. Our medium looks a little different. You know, we're a lot on Zoom. We're not mm -hmm. in the office together. But how could we, if we are a collaborative environment, if we are a hands-on environment, how can we kind of bring that back into it? But we don't want to lose ourselves. We don't want to lose the friendliness that we've created, this sort of yeah, what major culture sense, special, what major culture special, and yeah. so that's kind of the recover. Hmm. Um, how do we create these messages in our own voice? Um, how do we create the the spacing, um, the neighborhoods, if you will, or these different areas within our space? Even if we're going on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, but not Monday and Fridays, how do we how do we really communicate that um, in a way that's us? And then re the reimagines just blowing the ship up, man. We're like, we could fly across the water. That's where the whole, how do we turn this operating system upside down? That's the, the exciting like design opportunity, super, right? Super exciting. You know, a lot of companies are saying we're not even going to enter, put, put a foot, you know, in our door until January, 2021. Mm -hmm. And then as you guys know, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know, they're, they're suspecting 50% or more, you know, in the next two years are just going to be remote hundred yeah. percent. Well, that's um, why I like this, like I said, because it does take a step back and say, there is just this amazing opportunity to, maybe for the first, I mean, I'll, again, I can only speak for the design museum, the, the company that I run of like, I don't think I've thought about how we work yeah. beside like our meeting structure for 11 years. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, whoa, we actually have an opportunity to completely rethink how we work and we, yeah. we have to. Yeah, and Liz said something really important. I think that's that's one of the directions and thinking and, and elements that we're thinking about with reimagine, which is understanding different ways in which people function. And so that kind of you know we take a lot of um, what academics do and teaching models into business models. And when we teach, we recognize that people don't learn the same way, right? They, they might be individual learners, group learners, visual, audio. Um, so we need to take into account how do we streamline some of these, some of the ways that we engage. So when we design, um, and, and we've done this previously, when we look at a space plan, we look at what we call work modes, and we really mm -hmm. d dive into how people work. Um, so, so some of the phrasing that we've used is sort of collaboration external, collaboration internal, one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. individual work. Um, an individual deep focus, right? So those are those. And then there's some other ones that are more like social. So you've got like external social, you've got internal social, and you have individual well-being. These are all these modules that um, have been in actively happening on current office campuses. The spaces are now um, responding to the modes of working. So let's yeah. say, you know, individual deep focus. Do I need to be in the office when I'm really digging down and writing something or when I'm trying to solve a problem in the project? No, I don't really need to talk to anybody in that in that moment. So those are maybe I, I sort of organize my work mode or my team or my day in which I don't need to be in the office that day. Yeah, it strikes me. It's even articulating those modes for each other mm -hmm. is very helpful. I mean, this has come up, I think, in a couple of our of live events around remote work of if you can kind of 
say, okay, now this meeting is about us collaborating. Okay, this chunk of time is about us sharing information kind of one way. Like mm-hmm. that would have been helpful pre-COVID so right. everyone kind of knows yeah. what they're getting into yeah. in every situation or how they can kind of define and have a little bit more agency in what they're doing. Yeah, and I think also, again, the strength of engagement and there's not this passiv- passivity that happens in these different moments where there could be two people in that meeting. They're like, this is a collaborative meeting, right? And it's like three other people are like, I'm just hanging out. I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, again, human-centric, going back to how do we design business around getting the most out of our own personal machine. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think going back to that human-centric idea, I do have a question about who's in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Because back to this, like, every single person's different. Mm-hmm. Um who is in charge of deciding to say, hey, I'm not comfortable going into the office or I have a family member who is high risk. And so you're making me choose between my family member or my profession. That's a huge choice that all of a sudden the business is in charge of, which has never had that position before. Right. Or, you, you know, you can keep going with it of where do you want to work? There's a lot of layers to it. So I'd yeah, here. No, it's I, I think that's what's uh, 180 degrees, Liz. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that I think is going to turn it upside down and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and is that pivot that we sort of say, you know, going again back to the idea of putting ownership or a- autonomy is really a big word in, in Daniel Pink's book of autonomy of the individual, that their choice, once they have that choice, they actually are able to engage deeper um, in the work that they're doing and they feel like they have a purpose and they have a mastery of that over and over of what they're doing versus a management sort of level kind of dictating a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, sort of like Cheryl Guerin of MasterCard was just saying, you know, it's really, there are no, it's a game changer. There's no hard and fast rules anymore of sort of this management. Um, and then personal choice is what's going to kind of rise up in this whole Right. And then you layer in like parent situations and schools mm-hmm. opening at different times. And it's just, yep. there's so many layers to it. So, yep, exactly. so what would you recommend to a CEO, to a person who's in charge of making these decisions what should they do? How should they move forward if, you know, ultimately they do want to get back, they want to get back yeah, to normal yeah. is their mindset probably. Like- so I think one of the the biggest, easiest sort of matrices that you can create is sort of that understanding of the work modes. How, how um, does our business function in these type of work modes? Um, and what are the percentages that we can sort of shift in and out? And then when you sort of assign the way that people are working in those work modes, you can start stripping away at, you know, what do we really need to, when do we really need to be together? And when we, when can we be separated? And what are those links that occur? How can we create that sort of um, technical uh, network system to create those links? But I do think that there's like complete evaluation. It is a complete sort of like, this is a time to sort of sit back. We have our goals, we have our brand. We don't want to forget those, but um, let's think about how do we get to those goals? What if we completely just turn it upside down? What would happen? And and we're seeing some of that. We're actually, again, like I said, we're, this is an experiment and we're getting some feedback from where we are. So a little bit is a, a, little bit is a constant feedback. You're not going to sort of solve it, um, but it is um, creating, I like to have checkpoints and matrices, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, is this working? 
if we do 80% this, 20% that, nope. All right, 60-40. Like, how do we manipulate these things in, in, in various um, scenarios? Awesome. Listeners, check out LLM Design. This is the design firm Layla founded. They do some amazing and unique work at the intersection of people, place, brand, and strategy. They're also amazing storytellers and know how to create some really compelling videos. You can also check out the Respond, Recover, Reimagine framework on their website. Visit LLMdesign.com. Layla, please stay with us. We'd love to have you join our conversation with Kellyanne McCabe from Improvada. Design is Everywhere is brought to you by members like you. Every member receives Design Museum Magazine, our must-have quarterly print and digital publication about design impact. It's how we can bring the Design Museum directly to your door. You don't even have to leave the house. It'll come to you. Each issue contains stories from creative thought leaders on how they're using design to change the world. Yeah, some past stories include Turning the Inside Out, The Workplace Meets Mother Nature by Lee Stringer, and interviews with design leaders like Kat Holmes, Senior VP of Design and UX at Salesforce. Design Museum Magazine is design inspiration you can hold in your hands. Visit designmuseummagazine.org to subscribe today for just $3 per month. That's $3 per month? that we bring the world of design to your doorstep. Check it out at designmuseummagazine.org today. And we're back and we're joined by a special guest. Kellyanne McCabe has more than 20 years of human resource management and operational leadership experience. She is the chief people officer at Improvada, a healthcare information technology company that enables trust across the healthcare system. Pre-COVID, Improvada had over 280 employees at their Lexington, Massachusetts headquarters. I'm sure we're going to hear all about how that's changed. Kellyanne, welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Nice to be here. Maybe we could actually start there, you know, pre-COVID. Sure. Uh, can you give us a yeah. sense of kind of what the workplace picture was for Improvada before the pandemic and then what it looks like now? Absolutely. Pre-COVID, I would tell you that we had a very strong philosophy that we wanted employees in the office engaging. Our office was really laid out with a lot of shared space, a lot of common space. Um, frankly, our cafeteria, we didn't think was even big enough uh, to house everybody, to get everybody in. Um, we have a, a strong engineering presence in our Lexington office. And so our layouts were really conducive to um, working in scrum teams, a lot of face-to-face uh, -face, uh, whiteboarding sessions and things nice. like that. Nice. So I think if I asked you in February if your headquarters was essential to your operation, uh, you probably would have said yes. Critical. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, we made a big deal about being in the office. You know, we, we're a flexible company. You know, people come and go as they need to. They take days as they need to. We have a uh, what we call flex time off, so we don't really track time. People, people kind of manage it with their manager. Um, but we really made a big deal about presence, you know, in that mm -hmm. in that interaction with each other. It's really one of our core values is that connection. Yeah. So what does it look like now? Well, it, it's it's very different, right? <laughs> it's all different. Um, in early March, we started to track pretty closely what was going on. And we shut down um, mid, mid March, like a lot of companies did, not just because we're in Massachusetts, but we were really uh, we have a European presence. And so we stopped travel. We stopped um, actually having people come into the office. And we did this uh, almost like a migration of a thought process in about five days. Oh, it was, man. don't come in if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, if you feel safe, yeah. stay home. We highly urge you to stay home and now stay home. Yeah, <laughs> We have a pretty 
robust disaster recovery uh, business continuity plan. And so we had done some testing earlier in February just to start to warn people, you know, do you have your go bag? Do you have all your equipment? Do you have what you need to work from home? Because you're probably going to end up doing yeah. that. So now everybody's been working from home. Nice. They are working really well from home. In fact, in early April, we decided to keep our offices closed through the rest of 2020. Right. So what are you hearing from your employees who are working now remotely for quite a while and they know they're going to be working there for a while? What are they saying? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you the, the one thing that they said loud and clear, and it's it was we're just happy we made the decision when we did, is they're just appreciative that we made a decision early and that took everything off the table as far as what they needed to do to plan, how they were going to juggle uh, the rest of the school year at the time, summer, summer camp, lack of camps, right? Um, what they were going to do with their children if they were at home. And um, and just they could focus on work. You know, I we're in the healthcare IT space. And so with COVID, our customers were really impacted. We're, hospitals, that's that's our yeah, that's so our you're right in there. What's fun about um, Improvada is that if you if you sort of read about them, they have a lot of culture around food. You know, their their uh, mm -hmm. office spaces ha I'll have food names. Everything is about food, nourishment. Uh, shared experience, family, and so how do we how do we get back to that? It, you know, it's something that I'm mm -hmm. sort of struggling with as well. We really are looking at how we can get back to where we were, right, Layla, mm -hmm. with all of those uh, communal things that we like to do, but do it well and do it safely. And I don't I don't think that it will ever be a hundred percent, but I think we'll we'll work to get there. Which one of the reasons we decided to stay closed because we're really hoping frankly, that in early 2021, we'll have a much better view and feel better about being closer together. So thinking about our academic clients that we have, they're, they're really investigating the word experience, right? Yeah. And they're, they're very worried about um, promoting the college experience. And it's completely different from what the promissory is. Um, and right. so how do we, you know, how do we blend that, that experience to still embody our values and what we're, what we want to be, you know, that collaborative, friendly, social environment, but just do it in a different way. That's, that's what that, that's really what we need to discover. Yeah. We're trying Layla, a lot of the things you mentioned as far as how we connected with food, with, with socials, with lunch, with, um, you know, all kinds of movement in the office that, that brought people together. So we're leveraging zoom as everyone else probably is. Uh, but we're doing a lot of our culture things that way. So for instance, we have employees who love to mm. cook. So they're doing mm -hmm. cooking classes oh, on that's Zoom, great. Right? right? You know, and bringing people in. Um, and a few of them are, are uh, musicians. And so, you know, we're looking at hosting some kind of a, a Zoom uh, jam, right. you know, where people can Do even just listen concert. in. That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I will comment on, which uh, surprised me in a, in a good way, when um, when we talked about our office with the 280 in, in Lexington, we also had the remaining of our almost 500 mm -hmm. uh, total employees were, were spread out around the world. And a lot of the things that we did in Lexington, only Lexington employees participated in, right? I mean, it's right. just natural. They were right. in the office. And so now that we've been home since March, everything we do, we've just put on Zoom and it's open everybody. to everybody. And, and the interesting thing is that we get a lot of non-Lexington people participating now which has been great. I organize these coffee with Gus. Gus is our CEO and he loves uh, to talk about coffee. He's from Canada. It's one of his, it, from Greece originally. And so he would go into the kitchen every morning and 
make coffee and chat with people. And he missed that. Mm-hmm. So we, we created these coffee with Gus sessions twice a week. And so people just come on, jump on for 45 minutes, ask questions, talk about uh, non-work things usually. And, uh, and we get a, a lot of people who are not in the office, which That's, is really uh, great. I, so. It just strikes me like how, because bringing us back to like how important it is to have a shared work experience because those things are effortless when right. we're all together, right? They right. require nothing. And now they truly, you have to be so deliberate and plan and, and they can still happen and you can still have but those, I think, those uh, moments. But I think but... what's really interesting about what you said, Killian, is this idea of that it's now an equitable gesture, that more mm-hmm. people can get involved. I feel like now the opening of a talent pool um, is a mm-hmm. little bit more um, available because they can work from home. We will um, absolutely recruit now in a much more global basis. So, you know, the talent pool's very much opened up. I think the challenge is the onboarding and the connecting process, right? A lot of the folks that I've talked about have been with Improvado a while, so they know the culture. They know how we interact, right? They already know. The question is, what do we do differently to welcome them in a, and we've got a lot of things we're working on to pretty much do everything we used to do, but now virtual. One thing I've been reading in terms of the importance of the physical space, because like you said, it seems like we're going to be in this kind of blended, but that the, I wish I could remember who said this, but it was sort of like that the physical office space will become sort of like an onboarding tool, right? Like The question is, especially for landlords as well as tenants, is what do we do with this extra space? What is going to happen with the square footage? And I think when you reimagine the office, I think there could be something like that onboarding scenario that you're talking about, Sam, and sort of like, what does this look like? You know, we look at sort of like MassArt, what they're doing with their campus. They're actually going to call it more of a resource center. I'm not sure we need less space. I think we're going to just use the space differently, um, right? Because we still want to make people feel safe with, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they don't feel overcrowded, right? But mm-hmm. but you will definitely look at balance. So yeah, as you as you kind of prep for next year, hopefully next year, mm-hmm. um, yes. you know, wh- <laughs> what's the process for evaluating your return and what elements are you thinking about? Sure. So, you know, we, we started this um, process where we uh, anticipated being phased, right? So you're just not going to go from everybody being home to everyone being back in. We knew that that wasn't going to happen. And so I looked at four or five different phases where we would start to ease back in um, you know, you, you both had mentioned that, you know, there are a group of people who do want to be in an office. They don't have a great home environment for working for whatever reasons, right? So they really prefer to try and get back in. So we may open up to what, you know, those folks who just, you know, need, need some space. Um, and I think that we'll see, you know, those areas that are common space be used. Uh, people will have to sign up to use them. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to manage that. So how are you going to... What I'm thinking about is there are people who are remote and there are people who are going to be in person in this potential situation. How do we make sure the people who are remote feel connected to the people who are all in person? They're not left out. They're not like, oh, everyone's having a conversation and I'm not a part of it. Is there a consideration of how do we make everybody be kind of that equity across location? Well, I think our, I think our, um, Time home right now has proven that the way that we need to move forward is to leverage Zoom or other other connections all the time, right? So even though we'll have an experience, say it's 50-50, um, I'm kind of making that up right now because I really don't know, but say it's 50-50, I don't think you'll have a meeting without 
it being supported through a technology. It just won't happen. The way I've been thinking about the museum is like, if even one person in a meeting is remote, then everyone should just take the Zoom call from their desk. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what will happen. Well, because we won't have the conference yeah. room space. Yeah. See, that's right. another challenge, right? You're going to have to, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, invest in some good headsets, invest in, uh, you know, decent monitors. Right. Yeah, I am thinking about a previous podcast we did talking about these robots that would be kind of permanent parts of these physical offices so that they could roam around and that people who are remote could jump into them. And I, I really am starting to see how that could be a, a, a real possibility. I was going to ask a little bit about your um, communication plan. I know, you know, have you done some, have you done anything differently other than just sort of e-blasts that go out? Have you sort of come up with a little bit more of a, a focused communication plan to help people alleviate any worries and understand what's going on at, at any given time? Yes, um, that's probably one of the most significant things that's changed or adapted, you know, to the new environment. We had, um, again, our structure was always a lot in person. So we didn't, you know, now that that's not happening, we, we recognize we needed to increase the volume of communication. And, and not take for granted that it's just through formal meetings, right, or organized meetings. So what we started to do uh, was we moved from uh, quarterly company meetings to monthly, um, and those are held by Zoom. And I think we get almost 100% of our employees on them, which has been great. We do the coffee chats, which are, again, these informal connections. Business comes up now and then. Um, and and we update employees on any major change that's been happening. And frankly, it start, it was almost weekly for a while, uh, you know, either through a call, like a Zoom call or through an email. And, mm -hmm. and they were very specific on, uh, and I remember I started them in February, you know, with travel guidance. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. that changed to we're shutting down and now here's how we're interacting and now we're staying closed. And uh, we also started something that my team does, which, which I'm really proud of, is they, um, we started this work from home newsletter. We always did a monthly newsletter for employees. It was the, through constant contact, you know, right? write an email. But we started this work from home focused one, which was really focused on them, their families, and how they can make the most out of their home environment. And I'm curious, there's a, it's so complex. There's so many different things from signage to like you were talking about wiping things down. Have we missed anything? Like what are we forgetting in terms of like a main thing that someone just might not have in their mind as like a key element? Um, I mean, something that's come out of, um, the sort of um, recover uh, mode is understanding, and, and, and it really was sort of thinking about Improvada in a ways, or companies like that, that have these amenities and have these things given to employees. And, you know, that was such a strong driver of companies and landlords uh, for talent pools. Um, is like, what are the what are the amenities at the space? You know, what what are we giving them? And so a lot of those amenities were very social. A lot of those amenities were shared items. And um, we thought about how do we still have that coffee shop or how do we still have, you know, those lunches at those Tuesday bagels or something like that. And so one of the things that we've been thinking of is this layer of, um, and I think I talked about it before, but this layered of stewardship or this layer of service. Right. Um, and that whether that's an external team or an internal team, it's sort of, it, it, give, it has a little bit, you know, there's a lot of people without jobs, there's a lot of restaurants and things like that, that are kind of changing their business model a little bit, but it adds a layer of service that you st still are offering that to people in the office. Um, but perhaps it's done in a way that's served to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. We, in fact, had anticipated that, Layla, I think is part of our, you know, one of our phases that, you know, in fact, in a way it was almost, do we need to hire a few mm-hmm. people that would, you know, be concierge yeah. type yeah. services? One thing I just wanted to add um, that you've gotten me thinking about, about like, these services that people could have. I feel like there is this interesting dynamic of how important is it? Is it the business's responsibility to take care of an employee that's going through a pandemic? Like, <laughs> we're all stressed out, right? And is there actually a service that's, you know, I've heard of like meditation rooms and different things. Is there a whole um, suite of services that support the health, the mental health, all of the different elements? That's that another make a layer of my, my concierge team model. That's yeah. another whole layer is that that healthcare. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love this is your I new love business, the cooking Layla. classes online. I love that. But even just those meditation classes, I think are huge great okay so last question and it's for both of you uh and just you know just a big one uh, <laughs> what does the future uh of the workplace look like what what is the work environment and how does the mix of the in-person and the virtual what it, you know how does it all work i think that the workplace is going to um still exist i think that there's going to be a place where people want to get together i think layla said it well i think they're going to be more um, resource-oriented uh, centers where employees can come for meetings or come see each other for various group activities. I think that there'll always be going forward a balance where people who either want to work from home on a regular basis, whether that's part part of the week or full-time, um, they will. And we'll make it work because we can connect them. And I don't think that that's going to change. I think it scales well um, from a company perspective. And uh, we prove that we can make it work. And I think it does open up your pool of talent as well. But I do think that the office is necessary. It's important to have a place that people can come to. Um, They'll just probably come less often. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that. I think that the built environment is not going away. I think that once we really dig in and understand how we work and spread the spaces in which we work out away from that central area, we then can sort of rethink our resource center. Um, I think, you know, it's, and, and of course, I think at that point, it's not the 95. And I think we've been getting towards that anyway. I think it is, you know, get your work done um, as best you can when you can. Um, and, you know, it may be in your space and it may be, we need you in the office, you know, X, Y, X, Y, and Z time periods, because we're all meeting in this moment, but you don't have to be here all the time. I think the actual physical space itself, um, you know, I envision, I envision just these big rooms and big spaces with lots of greenery. I mean, I think now's the time to sort of open it up and sort of really, um, sort of look at biophilic design and bring a lot of that sort of fresh air and greenery in. I mean, I think a lot of us were worried about these closed spaces anyway that are locked tight with these inoperable windows. So I do think that physically we need to get back to bringing the outside in. Thank you both. That's that's a vision I'd like to see happen. And thank you so much for being here, Kellyanne. It's really great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, listeners, to learn more about Improvada and the work they do at the intersection of health, information, and technology, visit Improvada.com.
And now for our weekly dose of good design, where we share an example of good design that has impacted us or others in some meaningful way. I'll start things off this week. Uh, kind of a sad one for me. Uh, on June 27th, we lost a great designer. Milton Glazier passed away on his 91st birthday. Uh, he is the graphic designer behind the iconic I Love New York or I Heart New York logo. And I just love the story of the logo. I won't tell the, tell the whole thing, but he designed the logo in 1977 while riding in the back of a cab after he pitched a different version of the logo that the city did not like. Uh, but my weekly dose is part of a talk that he gave in London. Uh, where he listed the 10 things I have learned. And I thought I would share those 10 today because I think it's words to live by. So number one, only work for people that you like. Number two, if you have a choice, never have a job. Three, some people are toxic, avoid them. Four, professionalism is not enough. Five, less is not necessarily more. Number six, style is not to be trusted. Number seven, how you live changes your brain. It's probably my favorite one. Number eight, doubt is better than certainty. Nine, it doesn't matter. And 10, tell the truth. So uh, rest in peace, Milton, and thanks for the advice. Liz, you are up. I love those. I'm like going through them in my head. I'm like, yes, these are so good. Um, Okay, great. So my family is a big fly fishing family. And back in the day, my grandpa ran Vos Mountain Lodge and my dad used to spend his summers guiding. And obviously I spend a lot of time thinking about design and innovation and uh, especially for this podcast. Uh, So for some reason lately, I've been thinking a lot about the canoe. And not a specific canoe, uh, but the general concept. It's so simple. It's so balanced. It's incredibly functional. And this podcast actually prompted me to do a little research, you know, dig into the origins a little bit. And what I discovered is that canoes have been around for like 10,000 years. And it got me thinking about, you know, how sometimes that the best designs in our life are not always the newest ones or the flashiest ones. Um, but they're the ones that, you know, that they can stand the test of time and that we still appreciate and we still use now, even, you know, hundreds or in this case, thousands of years um, old, you know, that they are. So so who knows? Maybe in the coming episodes, I'll start uh, sharing some more time-tested designs, uh, you know, in my life here. So. Okay. Layla, you're up. You know, I was going to quickly just sort of say, uh, I always look for, sometimes there's little moments of good design where it's just what makes your life easier. And I, I honestly say just the the annotation on Zoom, because when I teach, mm. I like to write and sketch and tell. And so just that moment of being able to, to write on a screen was just a quick, easy. But I, I actually have been enjoying the outside, like many, many people these days. And I want to give a shout out to... Um, more sort of conservation and landscape design because I think a lot more people mm. are hiking now. A lot more people are on the bike trails. Yeah. A lot more. They're really recognizing that there, there, ha- there is a sense of design that was involved in that, that allows us to sort of um, be in sort of smaller, quiet spaces. That allows us to wind through a path. Um, some great bike trails. I mean, even just um, the DCR, the Department of Conservation and Recreation we have here in Massachusetts, it sends a great job linking communities that never would have been able to go from my town, hometown in Milton, all the way to, to Castle Island, you know, it passed through Dorchester. And you can all you can do that all on a bike um, with your kid. 
And so I, you know, shout out to all those hardworking, you know, as we always said, the tree loving landscapers um, that really built a great system for us to enjoy, especially in this time. Oh, that's a great one. Yep, totally. Great. Those are good. Thank you both. Thank you again to Layla Mitchell and Kellyanne McCabe for joining us this week. As always, be sure to check out our episode page for links to some of the resources we discussed today. And don't forget to grab your tickets to Design Museum Live on July 21, where we'll be talking about data visualization and COVID-19. It's going to be a really interesting event. And if you're not a member, become one and get your tickets for Design Night Live. All the details are on our website at designmuseumeverywhere.org. Yeah, I can't wait. We can continue this conversation on social media, like us, follow us. On Twitter, we're at design underscore museum. On Instagram, we're at Design Museum Everywhere. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find us by searching Design Museum Everywhere. And remember to subscribe to Design is Everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And rate us. You can even leave us a review that really helps people find the new show. This episode was written by me, Sam Aquilano, and produced by Ryan Flom, and edited by David Green. Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For Liz Pollack and the entire team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thank you, and we'll talk next week. Bye, everyone.